I think what's important to realize is it's not that we're somebody is more disciplined. They create an environment for discipline. They create an environment for focus. So I don't force my brain to have to say no to that distraction. I just get rid of it. And so whether it's virtual or in person, we set that. Welcome to the Making Sales Social podcast, featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join Bryn Tillman and me, Bob Woods, as we each bring you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients, so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Making Sales Social. I am so beyond excited about our next guest. Colleen Stanley is an expert in emotional intelligence and sales and sales leadership. She is such a sales expert around building emotional intelligence for sales teams that it would be a shame not to share her knowledge and her brilliance with our listeners. So Colleen, uh, as an author of two books, Emotional Intelligence for Sales Success and Emotional Intelligence for Leadership, for Sales Leadership, I want to welcome you to the show. We're very excited to have you. And I am excited to be here with you, a fellow expert in an area that I'm not as quite of an expert. So thank you for having me as your guest. You know, what you're doing today is absolutely foundational for salespeople. You know, we went through a period of time where in sales, there was sort of like transactional and fast and moving forward. And in today's world where we have so many options at our fingertips, right? We can Google and find 25 of your competitors like that. Having emotional intelligence, I believe, is is one of the cornerstones of building those deep relationships and uh, having those clients just stick with you for a very long time. So I am so excited to jump into this. But before we go into those emotional intelligence questions, we ask all our guests, what does making sales social mean to you? Well, this is going to sound like I am sucking up to you, Bryn. <laughs> but for me, it really is the work you specialize in. Um, the main channel we use is LinkedIn. And so part of that is is the videos. And it's been um, rewarding for us for how many clients that we have done the poll marketing that have seen the video, like the message, like the style. So I would have to say that's the first thing that comes to mind with that question. I love that. I agree. Video really humanizes connection. And so I, th I think that's an awesome, I don't think anyone's ever actually said that as an answer. And I love that answer. So that's awesome. So let's dive into really the cornerstone of what sets you apart from other sales and leadership trainers it's all about empathy. Why is empathy such an important skill in selling, influence, and holding difficult conversations? Like what, why is empathy such a cornerstone to that? Well, you know, to frame it all up, you know, empathy is a, a soft skill that'll bridge the knowing and doing gap, right? And that's where I think people have trouble with wondering how do these soft skills actually help you make money? So for example, um, empathy is a key skill in dealing with objections, particularly the unspoken objection. So Bryn, I know you've been in sales long enough, you have a team you're managing, and you're having a conversation and there's that elephant in the room. And if a salesperson isn't perfectly present, which 
That's another topic we can talk about. They're not sensing the conversation that's not happening. You know, is this the right time? Does this company, are they big enough? Are they too big? Are we just going to be a number? It, what's going to happen with the recession? Do we have a recession? So if a salesperson isn't tuning in to what somebody's thinking or feeling, even when they're not saying what they're thinking or feeling, they miss the meeting after the meeting. And what happens? You know, you end the video call, maybe walk out of the office. They sit around, they go, gosh, really, really like Brennan or company but can they get the job done? So now the real meeting happens and you missed it because you weren't willing to tune in, bring up the elephant and have a discussion around it. So that's one way uh, among many that empathy can make a difference in relationships and closing business. I love that. I'm going to start really top of the funnel. You're on your first conversation. It's not really a sales conversation. It's a little bit of you know, offering insights and getting to know each other. How do you create the, that feeling of uh, that you're really listening and that social, that what we call social listening? And you know, what do you do so that your first impression shows that you really care about the other person, not just for your sale? So what's interesting is, you know, I think empathy has almost gotten to be a cliche. So let's talk about that, uh, a cliche word for the top of the funnel. So the work on empathy must begin before the conversation happens. And this is the hard part. Empathy is a paying attention skill. And what I find is everybody wants to be everywhere where they are. So here's what happens in a really distracted society. And frankly, when I started in sales, you did not have to manage distractions that much. We didn't even have voicemail when I started in sales. It was a wonderful world. Yes, I'm 100 years old, diet and exercise, pay attention. I know, I didn't have email. So I know that. Yeah. 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 And so here's what's happened is that we've lost our ability to focus. We've lost our ability to pay attention. So when we get on that first exploratory call, you cannot recall a habit you've not developed. And I find a lot of people have fallen into this trap of partial attention because they're constantly multitasking. We know it doesn't work, but the habit is you are training yourself to be distracted, partially attentive. And I've been in a couple conversations this past week with friends and experienced this where they're kind of there, but they're kind of not. So I think for the top of the funnel is you've got to work on paying attention, being perfectly present, getting rid of distractions. Um, If you've never been non-distracted for 30 minutes, I doubt if you can pay attention for 30 minutes on an exploratory call, full attention. So I hope that makes sense. Oh, that does make sense. So, so first there is a uh, close down, turn off your phone, kind of get clear with the goal of really let's let's learn about the person on the other side of the Zoom call or the table if you're back in that in that realm. Yeah. So I, I love that, and that, you know I have experience. It is kind of funny, like when I even when I take when my husband and I take our kids out, they're on their phones. I'm like, put the, they're 20, they're not kids. Put the phones down. Like, 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 and they just like, but there's this um, technology challenge that everyone really is distracted all the time. I could be coaching someone and I see they're on zoom and they are down on their phone. I'm like, eye contact. Right. I love when, that you're... When, when we conduct training, whether it's virtual or in person, 
you can see the shaking. So I always have the leader because, you know, good cop, bad cop. I want to come in as the good cop. I'm happy to be the bad cop, but not right away. And they literally know that if we're going to do business with your company, we only work with focus teams. I fired a client last year because they could not get their team to stay off their cell phones during the uh, uh, sales training. And this is during role plays. And so, you know, you know, you, you practice like you play. That's the old saying there. And mm-hmm. so the leader gets on and they'll say, take your phones, move them away. Because I think what's important to realize is it's not that we're somebody is more disciplined. They create an environment for discipline. They create an environment for focus. So I don't force my brain to have to say no to that distraction. I just get rid of it. And so whether it's virtual or in person, we set that. And in person, it's quite funny because they'll they'll turn their phone over and then I'll smile because I did live in the South for six years and I've learned that a smile helps. And they'll say, no, 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 it's it's off the table. So, but you know what? It doesn't take long for them to recognize that, wow, this makes a difference in how I can take in these new skills and learning. So I, I love that. And so you're making a conscious decision to focus. Um, is there any pre-work that you have someone do to create or to help them bridge the knowing and doing gap? You know, I think some of the pre-work, because most people, you have to really do practical exercises to teach emotional intelligence. So like we've got a project coming up next week. It's a longtime client. We are having them do an informal win-loss analysis. What are the trends in winning? What are the trends in losing? And then during the training, I'll take that data and I will point out where you might need more development in a hard selling skill, consultative selling skill. But I also bring in, this is the soft skill that you'll need to bring to the conversation. So when you talked about the top of the funnel, Bryn, you know, one of the um, EQ skills there that's really important in filling the funnel is not only empathy, understanding the day in the life. So your value propositions actually resonate with them. It's delayed gratification. Because we all know you're supposed to consistently prospect every day, okay? Not to, at the end of the month when you got to hit the uh, the quota. But right. delayed gratification is the soft skill that supports somebody in effective calendar blocking and honoring the calendar. So time management is a hard skill. Delayed gratification is I'm going to take 30 to 45 minutes, calendar block my week. And I don't get distracted doing that. Because if you're really doing calendar blocking the right way, it takes about 45 minutes to do it effectively. So you put in the work before you get the reward of that and, and, and such of a good week. I didn't finish my sentence there. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. I have a question. Uh, like, So we're back to this first call with someone. Are there certain discovery questions that empathetic salespeople should be asking? And, and how do you do that so that you're coming off as truly curious, not as salesy. So here's what can happen after salespeople learn a questioning model. And I'm going to suggest they learn a questioning model. Some people get very um, cautious, like I don't want them to be robots. Well, if you don't have a framework, <laughs> you, you tend to get sucked into a product dump. Okay. So that doesn't show customer care. But what I would suggest there, it's the answers, not the questions. Because see, once you ask the question, um, give me an example of what poor customer service looked like from your existing vendor. That's going to be a great question, right? right. When they say they didn't return my calls, uh, they didn't return them on time. The emotion behind that is, wow, 
And I'm guessing if I was in your shoes, you feel like this was a little bit of a bait and switch because that was one of the reasons you purchased from that vendor. They're good customer service. Uh, we could get a hold of you at any time. And I don't know if that's quite the right context, but then I would follow up with this I it, it, in the right setting. And I'd say, and I bet your biggest question is anybody you're interviewing to replace that vendor, you wonder if you're going to experience the same bait and switch. See, that's empathy because what they're thinking the last time I vetted the vendor, I thought I asked all the right questions. Um, they were likable. They had case studies and then they didn't show up. So the fact is when you show up to the call, as nice as they're appearing, they're wondering, are you going to tell me the same stuff and not come through? That's the elephant in the room. So it's the answers to the questions where you really demonstrate empathy. That's great. I, that, I mean, I, I don't do that. I'm going to start doing that. I think that's amazing. It, you know, often you reiterate what you heard, but the way that you just framed that is not just mirroring it. It's really talking about like, I get you, right? I love that. You, I think that's from a great point. Paul Coleman, sorry to interrupt you there because that wasn't a very yeah no I, go go but, go. Um, Paul Coleman is the one that um, in studying some of his work really pointed out to me as a student because I continue to study this. There's a difference between active listening and empathetic listening. Active listening is what you just explained. I paraphrase what you say or even validate. That must have been frustrating. That's active listening. Empathy is actually saying what they're thinking or feeling, even if they haven't said it. And so that's the piece that you've really got to sit and think, okay, you know, for this person, uh, whatever that problem is, and if it wasn't with an existing vendor, that's how I would bring that up. But yeah, empathetic listening, what are they thinking or feeling? But let's go back. If you never take time to think in your day about another person's life, how things land on you, you can't develop that empathy muscle. So I know when when I feel like somebody's kind of dismissed me, partial attention, I don't get offended. I, I know human beings, but I'm very attentive to how it made me feel, which makes me even more committed to be fully present in every conversation I am. And I don't always do it. But I am working daily on that. I don't think this is something you can ever perfect, right? This is something that you are constantly learning and growing. And every situation Absolutely. is different. I, you yeah. know, practice it in the grocery store. I realized, um, you know, I, uh, and I know it's your right to be on a phone or whatever. But, you know, I thought, started thinking, I'm just going to practice this all the time. So in the grocery store, I make eye contact with the clerk, even if they're not real friendly. <laughs> Sometimes they're having a bad day. But if you can just it's amazing how much of you just have the micro practice sessions, you start seeing how often you're not present, not attentive. So yeah, I, I'm with you. It's it's a it's a journey, not a not a final destination here. As you roll this out with your clients, and I know that you work with both the sales leadership and their team, um, how important is it for leadership of the company I and mean, everything flows down in almost every company from my, the culture, the, the way we do things. Um, how important is it for the sales leaders to coach to emotional intelligence? It, well, the, the obvious answer, and I'm going to have obviously my perspective is very important. However, think about this. Most people haven't been even taught. Looking to up your LinkedIn game? The Social Sales Link team has you covered with our LinkedIn Sales Accelerator, a guided social selling program that includes training, coaching, and so much more. 
Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. The soft skills, or if they had, they're, they're more statements rather than how do you actually apply this, particularly in the sales world. And so for sales leaders, um, first of all, they need to embrace it. I still have a lot of companies that don't hire me because this is where we specialize. They're more like, we want that hard stuff. We don't believe in that. And that is okay. Um, so for us, when we work with sales managers, usually the first principle we teach is the concept of emotion management. Because, you know, as a mentor of mine told me, when you're stable, you're able. And often the reason salespeople or even sales managers don't execute the right leadership behaviors or selling behaviors is they allow themselves to get emotionally triggered. And when mm. you get emotionally triggered, your reptilian brain starts taking over the conversation. So all of the great sales training you attended, nothing, <laughs> you can't recall it. And as a sales leader, you know, you know, you're supposed to be empathetic, maybe with assertiveness, but you start falling into telling, you start getting aggressive versus curious. And so self-emotion management and then followed by self-awareness, those are the two skills we always start with every company whether sales leadership or sales training. I love the word curious. And, you know, I'm curious. Uh, can you teach true curiosity? Can someone who's not naturally curious become curious? You know, I, I might be a Pollyanna, but I believe if somebody is really committed, they can learn almost anything. Now, I'm not going to be a neurosurgeon, so let's not have all those comments coming in. But you know, when I take a look at curiosity, I always unpack what's preventing me from being curious. So that's the question I'm always asking. Why aren't we doing as human beings what we're supposed to be doing, right? Well, curiosity also requires patience. A curiosity requires moving, removing judgment. See, if I show up to a conversation and you're stating something that I absolutely don't agree with, I can start getting triggered and start telling, defending, and justifying. Now we're fighting for the need to be right rather than get it right. But with curiosity, if I can be patient, which I've had to learn to do, I visualize it every day through meditation. And then the perspective is, huh, what, what's driving that perspective? Now, this could be almost a competitive thing, because if I can understand the perspective, I might be able to persuade the perspective. But see, if I don't understand somebody's story, and I think the new word is what's informing them, well, how can I possibly persuade them or have a conversation or state another perspective? So patience is my first one. And then bringing my head. What's driving that perspective and asking that question? But that's got to be get rid of the judgment because that one could come up for me. And, you know, I can sit there as easy as anyone and say, moron. And that would not be a very empathetic <laughs> state of mind. <laughs> so, yes. After yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, there are times where I'm talking with someone and my mind starts to wander to how am I going to respond versus finishing listen to finish listening to what they have to say and that is definitely something i have worked very hard in my life because it, i always made like okay what's my great comeback so they'll like me or like yeah, what i yeah. have to say that's good self awareness yeah and well you know and it's a really hard thing to change um and again a journey right but the idea that you ask yourself what's getting in the way why are you doing that? I think is really important. And I haven't taken that perspective. And I think a lot 
of people, of salespeople do that? How can I respond to what they just said and move them closer to a sale when that's really not yes. the way to think about it? It's, you know, how do I move it closer to me understanding them? And that's where the empathy comes in. And I love that. Um, so you kind mm-hmm. of touched on this, but, you know, as a sales leader, and you know, we have a lot of sales leadership that listen to the podcast, as a sales leader that wants to add EQ into their culture, where would they start? Obviously, they could hire you, but what? <laughs> but from a concept of, you know, how do I create a culture of empathy, of emotional intelligence? Like, where do they start? You know, you're a parent, Bryn. And so, you know, the one thing you've probably learned being a parent is your kids will watch what you do versus what you say. And so for leaders, it would really be having that awareness of how I'm showing up every day. So for example, let's take coaching sessions is we get on our salespeople about have a purpose and objective for the uh, sales call and make sure the prospect or customers aligned on that objective. Well, I ask my sales leaders, what's the purpose and objective for the coaching call? And I like to have the salesperson driving it generally. But if you've got one where you're doing a deal review and deal coaching, then that's our purpose and objective. But do you have an agenda? Now, the second thing is I see a lot of sales leaders. They'll say, "Okay, I'm going to run my consistent coaching calls, but they're sitting there and they have not given themselves enough time to run a coaching call. 30 minutes. And they start looking down at their uh, because they have their phone there and they got their uh, laptop up. So it looks like a command and control center versus a coaching call. You know what? Give yourself 45 minutes. Because sometimes it might take that long to get into the conversation. So model the behavior, model time management, model emotion management. Because, you know, I know when I was in corporate, there was a very talented gentleman I worked with. But I remember the conversation being, what kind of mood is he going to be in today? And you never want your team thinking that. Is it the right time to approach Bob today? Because what will happen, they're kind of reading you. Now, I'm, I'm talking, it can be virtual or, or in an what? office. But if people don't know how you're going to show up, they will not bring up problems or challenges. They're going to cut the conversation short. Um, they can demonstrate empathy. So a lot of times for sales managers, they are so well-intended. You know, a, a salesperson brings them a problem or a challenge and they take off that uh, coaching hat. They put on their problem-solving hat. Okay, let's get after this. And, and really all the salesperson might need is that, I am really sorry. You've been working on this deal a long time. You've done everything right. You weren't ready, you, you weren't expecting this curveball. It might be one or two statements. Empathy first, advice second. So it would be the modeling of it. And then final suggestion, I know I'm giving a terribly long answer, is um, read, start reading things outside of the sales books, psychology books. See, I read a lot of psychology books. I read a lot of spiritual books because there's a lot of emotional intelligence in those. Um, So I read outside of the sales realm because, and I'm pretty good at ideation and I'll say, oh, that's how I'm going to bring this into this content, or that's how I'm going to bring this in. So that was my very long answer. I love that. I just want to just touch, because I think there was an absolute magic nugget in there. And I want to make sure I got it right. Empathy first and then coaching. Yes. Just kind of, because to me, like that's the mic drop moment for today. So if you could just go one step deeper in, in helping how 
people can implement that into their mm-hmm. world, that would be awesome. That's a great way to kind of bring this all together. Yes. Um, and let me address an elephant in the room. One of the things I've seen consistently is CEOs and VPs of sales, sales managers, they'll sit there and go, yeah, I like that empathy thing. But, you know, I have people that we need to, co- we need to course correct some behavior. Empathy does not mean letting someone off the hook. Empathy means that somebody can actually hear the conversation. So let's take one where you'd have to combine assertiveness and the age old CRM conversation, right? So they're not putting information in, not at the right time, not at the right data. Do we need to go over this again? It's been going on for 20 years now, but at this point it's affecting dramatically sales forecasting. This is the top producer. You would demonstrate empathy and say, and I'll just, I, I'll just use the name Bob. You know, Bob, if I were you right now, here's what I'd be thinking. Why am I on your back about CRM? You're hitting your numbers. There's other people on the team that aren't hitting their numbers. Um, You're a consistent producer. So why am I writing you on this? When you say that, that's what Bob is thinking. That's what Betty's thinking. I'm a top producer. Get off my back. Go, Go deal with some of these people that are kind of hit and miss. So I've said what they're thinking or feeling. Then and only then can I be assertive and explain the impact of their behavior. See, they can't hear me until I've demonstrated, I get why you don't want to take the time to put this in. But then I can be assertive and say, the impact is we have to count on your numbers. We make decisions on your numbers. And because we don't know the exact cash coming in, it affects our ability to affect a, a research and development, hire more people that can help you see all of those things. So that's where you'd use empathy and assertiveness. But I'd still start with empathy first. Now, if it's a conversation where you need to get get the person out of there. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, great book for all of your readers to uh, read or listen to, Necessary Endings. And there's just a time where you don't need empathy. You go straight to assertiveness and you start managing this person out. And this is when he says you have a foolish person. Foolish people don't listen to anything you say. Why people might have a knee-jerk reaction right away, but then they come back to you and they go, Bryn, you're right. You're right. So uh, that's when I would say empathy, assertiveness, and then pure assertiveness and start the management out. It's such a great insight. And and of course, you've started with empathy and assertiveness for some time before you, so you, you before yes. you lead with assertiveness. So well, you're looking you gave for, it the good try, right? <laughs> yeah. You're looking for patterns. And so one of the things I've seen with sales leaders, they are overly responsible people. So it's interesting. They sometimes aren't as assertive. Now, sometimes if they miss the assertiveness, they go highly aggressive, then everybody's in fight or flight. But often what they'll do is because they are hyper responsible. I didn't give them enough training. You know, the company is, the website isn't very good. The lead gen isn't good. The SDR isn't qualifying. And now what I will do, and I've had more than one of these conversations, I'll say, well, you know, you're probably right. Agree and align. What kind of training did you get when you started? Well, I didn't get any. Oh, okay. Uh, And the leads, I just sourced my own. And so there's this self-discovery that goes, you know what? I'm probably making excuses and I'm not holding somebody accountable. So I'm all about education. That's the business you and I are in. But there's a point where you have to have awareness where you're being too responsible for your salesperson's success. You're amazing. Uh, You know, reframing how to approach folks in a way that make them matter is it's so critical that that sales professionals really take a good look at this and and say you know not it's a simple thing to do but it's very it it takes a lot to uh, adopt it and adapt it but it's not like it's go ahead yeah yeah well and i i think what you're saying too 
is let's take a look at where managers, and I love the hard skills coaching, pre-briefing calls, what if they say this, what if they say this, debriefing, did they say this, right? But see, what we don't include in our coaching is developing our team soft skills coaching. So for example, if there's a deal that went south and you as a manager know there, maybe there could have been more pre-call planning. They fell into instant gratification. A coaching question could be, okay, what part of this do you need to own? It's that simple. What part of this do you need to own? And then it's also, okay, what part don't you need to own? Because there are literally times I know I could not learn the lesson until I screwed up the call. Somehow I just wasn't getting it. But, you know, just a simple, what part of this do you need to own? Um, to help your team really embrace failure. You know, everybody goes, uh, your, your greatest teacher is failure. Nobody believes that because we don't have any failure walls in corporate America, right? <laughs> They're all success walls. I'm the and, best at failure. <laughs> yeah, you know, so we've got some rhetoric. So instead say, okay, what's the lesson you're going to learn from this failure? And you really make them think about it. But the second question is, how's this lesson going to serve you well on the next call? And all of a sudden they can actually start seeing it as a gift. And, and awesome. but see, if salespeople take this personally, like, oh, I really screwed up this call. Maybe I'm not cut out for sales. What my reputation on the street, but if you can really teach them, there's a lesson here. And that's what people that are resilient to their core, they believe there's a lesson in every adversity. So some of them have learned that on their own, but as a manager, that's a muscle you've got to teach. Just saying you can learn lessons from it isn't enough. You have to learn lessons yeah, from it. Yeah, you and I, we have literally taken teams through, okay, write down a big whopping failure I and then I keep it safe. You're not going to have to share it. What are two or three lessons learned? How have the lessons helped you moving forward? And all of a sudden, that's where the light bulb is. Because some of them don't realize that you're going into your next sales call smarter if you learn the lesson. Right. And so a lot of times for managers, they have to really coach their team on when I give you feedback, it's on your role performance. It's not on who you are. So it's separating the do from the who. And that's Ooh. the concept that you really have to, you, you want to get risk-taking teams, resilient teams, you get them to embrace, this is my role, but it does not define who I am. And, and so that's where the lessons learned come from. If you get that kind of a culture going on. I love it. I love all of this. And I could talk to you all day. Um, but, <laughs> but I know you've got other things to do. Uh, well, yeah. it's, 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 I mean, I'm having aha moment after aha moment. And it's interesting because I don't think sales focuses enough on these soft skills. And it's these soft skills that will help the hard skill be more successful, yes. right? You'll, That's, you'll start more conversations. Yeah. Support. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you have two fabulous books. Uh, I just happened I, to have them sitting oh, here. Look. I can't believe they're just here. <laughs> I love it. So emotional intelligence for sales success and emotional intelligence for sales leadership. If you are a sales leader, you buy one leadership book and buy the the um, emotional intelligence for sales success for your whole team and do a book club. Go through this. Really, it will make such a big impact. And you can find the books at salesleadershipdevelopment.com slash resources slash hashtag books. And you can even take a quiz there, salesleadershipdevelopment.com slash self-awareness-quiz. Oh my gosh, Colleen, I do these all the time. This is one that's just going to sit with me and grow. And I'm I'm going to consciously focus and make a change 
And I just think you're amazing. And I'm so fortunate to get to learn from you. Thank you. Well, we are we are mutual fans. For everybody listening, I, I think Bryn is always a little bit uh, humble and she has <laughs> built a tremendous business and that doesn't always happen in this business. So good for you. You've well, got a good team working for you. you. I love what I do. So I thank you, you so much. You're good at it. So guys, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget thank when you're everyone. out and about to make your sales social. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.